Well, good evening. Um, good to be back with you. I'm on Baptist. Uh, my name is Lee. Um, we're continuing on uh, in our series in Habakkuk. I'm coming to the last part of that series in chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and open it up to Habakkuk chapter 3. Um, continuing on our series, looking at what it looks like to move from wrestling with God. Last week we looked at waiting on God. And this week we're looking at what it looks like to rejoice in God. Um, so as you turn there, I want you to think about this. Um, I wonder if you've ever thought about why after the sermon, when we've heard God's word, we do one, we do, we do these two things. Uh, we usually pray and then we sing. And in many ways, it's one of those things that until it didn't happen, we may not even realize or notice that it's intentionally done. But there's good reason for doing those two things. Praying and singing help our hearts to grasp what we've just heard and really apply it to our hearts to help us trust it and treasure it and then obey it. And praying and singing help us to take what we've just heard ultimately and, and help us to take it and turn it into worship of God. And we need these two things more than ever really when what we've just heard is hard to hear. That's the position we find Habakkuk in here in chapter 3. Um, if you look at the beginning of chapter 3 you'll see that um, it's described as a prayer. And then if you go to the very end of chapter 3 you'll see uh, that little bit at the end of verse 19 for the director of music on my stringed instruments. So really what we have here is both a prayer and praise. It's, it's, it's both prayer and song, but ultimately the whole chapter is a, is a song, is a, is a piece of worship towards God. He has expressed his confusion towards God. We've seen that throughout the book. And God has responded with some hopeful, but some hard things to hear. So how will Habakkuk respond? What will his response reveal about where his heart is in regards to what he has just heard from God? So as, as we've travelled on this journey with Habakkuk, from wrestling with God to waiting on God and now to rejoicing in God, uh, I wonder where you are on that journey. I wonder if you're thinking, there isn't really anything right now in my life or in this world to sing about. What is there to sing about? How could I even begin to get to a place where I could sing to God and worship him? We see what's going on in the world around us. We look at our, the church in our, in our country and in our land and in our world. We look at our own home and we look in our own hearts and we wonder what hope is there? How can I see God working? I don't even know how to respond. What is there to sing about? Well, we see that Habakkuk did have something to sing about. God has transformed his heart and Habakkuk's prayer and praise is here to help us respond to help us sing, to help us trust and treasure what God has to say, especially, especially in difficult times. And it serves not only as a model for us, but is here to help us, it's here to serve as a means by which we might also be able to rejoice in God. So let me just read uh, Habakkuk chapter three, verses one to 19. We're gonna read all 19 verses. Uh, it'd be helpful if you have that in front of you as I read along. So beginning at uh, verse one of chapter three, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. 
Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, you saved your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of the wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head, with his warriors stormed out to scar when his warriors stormed out to Scaris, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great wars. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will, re I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Uh, let me just pray together as we come to think about these things. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, that you're an almighty, powerful God. Father, I pray that in this time that we would be humbled, that we would be in awe of you, that we would have a right fear of you which would cause us to look at what's going on in the world around us and take refuge in you alone. Father, we thank you for how you have acted in the past and how you continue to act and work now. Um, pray, Father, that as a result of our time together this morning that we would have great cause and great hope and great reason to sing to you and to rejoice in you, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what have we to sing about? Well, Habakkuk shows us that rejoicing in God is possible when, firstly, we remember what has been done by him. That's what verses 1 to 16 show us. Chapter 2 ended with that deafening silence after the Lord had spoken, declaring that he would execute justice on the Babylonians. And Habakkuk has no more complaints. Instead, he has cast his mind back to what God has done in the past. Remembering God's past acts has so deeply affected Habakkuk that he now stands in awe of God. When Habakkuk finds what God has to say hard and when his heart is heavy, he recalls what God has done in the past in order to give him hope for the future. He needs to be reminded that no matter how swift and devastating the Babylonians are going to be, the judgment of the Babylonians on his own people and against his own people, it cannot outmatch the power and might of God that is ultimately for his people. No matter how hard that judgment is going to be that God will send to his people through the Babylonians, it can never outmatch or outweigh the power and might of God that is ultimately in the end always for his people. And what has happening here in Habakkuk's heart is that the fear of the Lord is outweighing, outweighing the fear of what is going on around him and what will happen to him and his people. And that awe of God leads him to confidently ask God to firstly to repeat what he has done in the past, that's what we saw in verse 2. And it not only gives him hope, it also humbles him because he recognises that he and his people are deserving of God's wrath. We see that also in verse 2. And they need God to show them mercy. 
And then from verses three to 15, we see Habakkuk recall a number of significant places and a number of significant events in the Old Testament where God has acted. Particularly, he recalls the events around the Exodus from Egypt. These verses recall his power and might and his sovereignty over creation and over the nations. And look, if you look down at verse 16, look at what state this leaves him in. Heart pounding, lips quivering, legs trembling. The acts of the Lord create shock and awe in Habakkuk. And it is this awe which enables him in verse 16 to wait. It's amazing to consider where he has come from. The, the loud cries for help, the confusion, the complaints. In chapter 1 and now in verse 16 in chapter 3, we see him heart pounding, legs quivering, legs trembling. We see him quietly waiting on the Lord. And ultimately, he's now in a place where he can rejoice because he knows that nothing can frustrate the purposes and plans of the Lord because it never has and it never will. Even though he might not feel the Lord is at work and even when he doesn't know exactly at what point in the future the Lord will do what he has said he would do, recalling the past gives him hope for the future and that leads him to rejoice. Um, all over our cities and towns around the country we have uh, war, war memorials which serve as a reminder of the brave acts of those who have given their lives in the past to fight for our country and secure our freedom. And as we remind ourselves of the past it not only uh, helps us to be thankful for the present but it also gives us hope in, in many ways for the future. The phrase we often associate with those times of remembrance uh, of, of past wars and those who have fallen is lest we forget. A phrase which expresses the fact that we do tend to forget but yet we need to keep remembering. And that's what Habakkuk is doing here. In remembering God's redemptive acts of the past, Habakkuk is given fresh hope for the future. We too are so prone to be forgetful when it comes to God's faithfulness. We allow circumstances to inflict the kind of spiritual amnesia in our lives which starves us of the hope that we can have when we look to what God has done. And when we forget, it leads to us feeling hopeless and living faithlessly, the opposite of how God intends us to live. Just like Habakkuk, we too need to look back at how God has, for generation after generation, been faithful to his people. We need to recall the ways in which he has worked in our own lives. If we think back to how he has brought us through things, in good seasons, in difficult seasons, we need to recognise and celebrate the change he has brought about in our hearts. Maybe you have struggled with a certain sin for a while and God has been so gracious to bring you um, through that to change your desires to enable you to find freedom and forgiveness. Maybe you've seen the Lord bring healing and reconciliation to a, a deeply fractured friendship or family relationship over the years. Maybe you've seen the Lord bring you through a period of financial concern or job insecurity. Or maybe you're in that season right now. Growing, growing up, we uh, distinctly remember going through a period where um, our family, my dad, experienced three redundancies. But yet God was always so faithful to provide us what we needed in order to serve him. You also get to look to those around you. Um, if you're struggling to be reminded and to see how God is at work and is acting, then look to those around you, someone who you can relate to, who knows what you're going through, someone who has maybe suffered in a similar way. Talk to them. Take heart in how God has brought them through something and has changed them and ask him to do the same for you. 
All of these great acts of God here in verses 3 to 15 anticipate really a greater act of God, a greater deliverance, something Habakkuk hoped for but didn't get to see, but something that we do. If you look with me at verse 13, um, it says, You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. So Habakkuk here is likely referring to the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt, but notice the language he's using here. Okay, deliver, anointed one, crushed. The ESV uses the term here, you crushed the head, which is similar to what's in the NIV here, you crushed the leader. Do those phrases ring any bells to you? When witnessing the injustice and evil around him, Habakkuk recalls how God saw the injustice and evil the Israelites experienced under Pharaoh in Egypt and how God delivered them out of that. In Habakkuk's day, God eventually did defeat the Babylonians via the Persian Empire, and he eventually then brought those and, and delivered those Israelites who had been taken into exile back into the Promised Land. But those deliverances didn't solve the root of injustice and evil in the world. Within God's people, it didn't solve it, and also within each of our hearts. Those deliverances and acts of God point forward to the ultimate deliverance of God's people by delivering an anointed one, Jesus Christ. We see that in the New Testament. For instance, in Matthew 16, we see Jesus asked Simon Peter, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. We see 1 John 3, 8, the reason the son of God came, the reason the anointed one, the reason the Messiah, Jesus came, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is the one who ultimately comes to destroy the enemy of God's people. And Genesis 3.15 tells us that, doesn't it? When God was cursing the serpent in the garden, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus is the anointed one, the Christ. Jesus bore my sin and he bore your sin on the cross. He experienced the ultimate injustice and evil. And if we think back to the beginning of chapter 3, verse 2, where Habakkuk asked that God would not show us wrath but mercy, Jesus is the means by which we are saved from the wrath of God and shown mercy. God delivered him from death by resurrecting him so that we might also experience deliverance and salvation from our sin and find eternal freedom. This is the great act of God that we need to remind ourselves of. When the world around us seems like it's falling apart, when we think that God isn't doing anything, we need to look back to the cross and be reminded that God is at work because he sent his son as promised in order to bring about his eternal purposes and plans. Only this time, he didn't come to judge his people, but to save them by taking that judgment, the judgment that Judah deserved, the judgment that we deserved. He took that on himself in the person of Jesus. And when he returns a second time, that time to judge, which he will one day do, the question will be, who has put their trust in Jesus and been saved and delivered by him? Only those people will be exempt from the judgment of God. That's the invitation here though, is to to go to him, to run to him, to trust in what he has done in order to be delivered and saved. And the cross isn't just something which happened in the past. It transforms our present and guarantees our future. And we are so often forgetful of how it changes everything now. That's one of the reasons Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper because in our weakness, In our forgetfulness, he knows how much we need to be reminded of what he has done for us 
and what he will do in the future when he returns to execute justice and mercifully gather his people. So rejoicing in God is possible when we remember what has been done by him and secondly when we find contentment in him. Verses 17 to 18 say this, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Habakkuk prays and sings here what are, some of the, what are some of the most astonishing words we might come across in the Bible. He is anticipating a time when everything, everything is going to be stripped away. Fig tree does not bud, no grapes in the vine, crop fields, fields produce no food, no sheep, no cow. He's anticipating a time when there's going to be nothing. I wonder how you felt um, maybe at the very beginning of uh, lockdown when you went into the supermarket and experienced the panic buying that was going on. That was probably the first uh, wake up sign for me. You go into the supermarket and we're so accustomed to going into shelves which are full or at least reasonably full where we can pretty much find what we want. But I remember going into the supermarket pretty much just off the back of lockdown and seeing for the first time empty shelves something I'd never experienced before and it's maybe something you hadn't experienced either but I wonder how you felt and even that is incomparable to famine and drought and dead crops which people experience around the world we wonder how can Habakkuk still rejoice in the Lord in the midst of such devastating and life-threatening circumstances how can we possibly rejoice if we were to find ourselves in a situation even remotely like what Habakkuk is describing well, verse 18 tells us there is one thing that remains the Lord himself the God of our salvation Habakkuk could still sing because God was enough for him and the salvation he had in God was enough and you'd have to say that for Habakkuk it sounds like it's more than just enough it's everything to him he is rejoicing he is joyful he knows that although God's discipline of his people through judgment will be painful that it has an eternal purpose. It is done out of love. He knows that even if everything material is stripped away, he already has more than he could ever need or deserve spiritually and eternally through the Lord's salvation. Many of, if not all of us, will have experienced moments in our lives when it feels like we have nothing left. A parent loses a child. A husband loses a wife. An employee loses their job. A diagnosis takes away our future. In those devastating circumstances, we often think about what we can do to fix it. What did we do wrong? When will things change? Why did this have to happen? Habakkuk instead takes heart because he knows that what he has in God far outweighs any loss he might experience. He is living by faith in the future hope he has, which helps him to endure the painful present and to enable him to wholeheartedly rejoice. Habakkuk again uses that covenant name for the Lord, for, for God, he, he calls him Lord, that name Yahweh. He finds contentment in God's promises to him. He reminds himself of God's covenant commitments to him and to his people, and he finds so much contentment and so much comfort in that. He reminds himself that God is a God of salvation, a God who saves. 
For those of us who are in Christ, we have the assurance that the Lord of Habakkuk is also our Lord. You can know that, you can know that now. The Lord of covenant faithfulness. Like Habakkuk, we can find contentment and certainty in the fact that when hard things happen in our life, we know that the hand of our loving Father is forming us because he loves us and longs to prepare us for eternity with him. An eternity which far outweighs anything we might know or experience on earth. When everything else in life is stripped away, we can rejoice that Jesus is enough. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. That when we come to Jesus, that he is always enough, we will never go hungry, we will never be thirsty. And then think of Paul in Philippians 4. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can do all things when I'm brought low. In every circumstance, when I face hunger, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It seems impossible, doesn't it? Like I'm reading these verses with you and I'm thinking through this and I'm and I'm with you in these verses thinking, how is this possible? How is it possible to get to a place of contentment where when everything is stripped away, that we can still look to the Lord and still rejoice in him? It's because we do it in his strength. It is possible. It's possible when we do it in his strength and not our own. And that leads us on to the final way rejoicing in God is possible. Rejoicing in God is possible when, thirdly, we draw our strength from him. Habakkuk states this in, in the final verse, in verse 19. How is it that he's able to rejoice? How is it that he's able to find contentment? Even when everything is stripped away, he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What is it that gives Habakkuk the strength to wait, the strength to trust and the strength to sing? Well, he tells us, the sovereign Lord is his strength. It's not just the Lord. It's the sovereign Lord. The all-powerful, almighty, sovereign Lord. Imagine you take your car onto the beach on a hot summer's day and you end up getting the back tires stuck in the sand. Someone offers to help you push it out. How confident are you that they'll be able to help you? Well, it really depends on how strong they are, doesn't it? How confident would you be if that person turns out to be the world's strongest man? If that were the case, then it wouldn't really matter how strong you were. What matters is that you're not pushing the car alone anymore. And the person helping you to get you out of this situation is the strongest person in the world. Habakkuk here recognises that it is the sovereign Lord who gets who we get our strength from. And that sovereign Lord, who is all-powerful, is within us by his spirit. He is present in us. He is sustaining and strengthening us now. Even though you might feel weak and weary and worried and helpless and hopeless, we need to remember that our strength doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the sovereign Lord. And he is within us by his spirit now. 
He is in complete control. He can be trusted, he can be waited upon, he is all powerful, and he can strengthen us to endure. Loved ones, he can strengthen us. We can get to a place where we can sing because he is the one that strengthens us and enables us to sing. Listen to the effect that this strength has in Habakkuk. He says, it makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. This gives us a beautiful image of how God, what happens when God strengthens us. It enables us to be swift and to be agile, to be be light on our feet. It enables us to scale heights we wouldn't think possible. It enables us to overcome obstacles that on our own we wouldn't be able to overcome. His strength can remove the cares and anxieties that weigh us down. He can make us light on our feet. So whatever it is that you're wrestling through, whatever it is in your life that is stopping you from rejoicing in the Lord, whatever circumstances are causing you to feel weak and weary and hopeless, know that you don't need to muster up the strength to overcome and endure. The strength you need is in the sovereign Lord. Verse 19 tells us that he enables us to tread on the heights, not ourselves, not ultimately those around us either. He enables us to tread on the heights. So look to him and trust in him. We've gone on this journey with Habakkuk from wrestling with God to waiting on God and now to rejoicing in God. We've wrestled with those questions, why and how long where is God? What about all this injustice and evil that we see around us? And we listened to God and heard his response and we have heard and seen that he is a God who is in control of the future, who can be trusted. He is a God in whom we can place our confidence because he will not fail us. And he is a God who can re- he is and he is a God in whom we can rejoice because he has proven himself in the past. That's what we've seen in chapter three. He sustains us in the present and he strengthens us as we wait for the future fulfillment of all all of his promises. So I pray that in the midst of wrestling and waiting, I pray for my own heart, I pray for your heart, that in the midst of wrestling and waiting, we can all learn to lean on the Lord and to rejoice in him no matter what happens to us. Let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are a sovereign Lord, that you strengthen us, that you make promises to us and that you will never fail us. So we pray that you would continue to help us wrestle and wait and to rejoice. Father, would you help us to take the hard things in life, to remember that your hand is always upon us, that you're always forming us and shaping us, and you're always working things together for our good. Uh, May these truths, may what we've heard from you in Habakkuk, uh, may you drive them deep down into our hearts so that we would trust you and treasure you and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you to Lee for his word with us this morning. I'd just like to send us into this week uh, with a benediction, the words of Ephesians 3 from verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory and the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Take care, God bless, and see you soon. Thank you. 
Dressed in his love. 